From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Great to be back with you again. I am Scott Armstrong, and I have several other servants that are around me. First, to my left, Freya Galindo. Hello. And then Emily Armstrong to the left. Everyone. <laughs> what? It's just funny how you said hello. I didn't say hi there. I, I just changed oh, mixing that. It up. She Whoa. changed it. You, you threw me off my game for you. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and AJ Fry across from us. Hey, guys. And Chelsea Fry next to him. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. The Bible is the world's most shoplifted book. <laughs> that is super ironic. <laughs> ironic or sad or hilarious? I don't know. Or You needed that fact in your life. Like maybe they just need the Bible. I mean, it's the most published. So I guess sure. it has a better chance. I mean, just... Right. It's out there more often. It's out there. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to use There's, logic now. If someone's yeah. going to shoplift a, a, a book... They need it. They do. It's probably the best book that they could shoplift. Within one minute, I've like I've 180'd on this. I've turned around, and now I'm like, may God bless those people that are shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Freya, do you agree? <laughs> She's like, you guys are all messed up. Um, well, speaking of the Bible, thank you, Chelsea. You're welcome. Uh, our topic today is awesome. We are going to be talking about one of my favorite passages, and it is found in Acts 13, 1 to 3. This has a lot to say to the church and a lot to say to missionaries as well. So let's go ahead and read that. I am going to ask, AJ, would you be willing to read Acts 13, 1 to 3? Yeah. And then we're just going to share kind of what the Lord has, has brought out in this text to us. Yeah, so this is Acts 13, 1 through 3 from the NIV. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That's good. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we're in Antioch, uh, the first place we were known as Christians. Uh, that's kind of cool, right? Not just because we were uh, choosing a mascot, but but there was there was there were people around them that say they act like Christ, they look like Christ. They, we should just call them mini Christ, right? Little Christs, Christians. And so this is kind of a, an important place where we see what I would kind of call the first missionary sending service recorded ever in, in, yeah. in history, right? So what do you guys notice? What jumps out at you? I think what jumps out to me is they're, they're praying and fasting. It mentions fasting twice yes. in this. And that just that speaks to me because they weren't just at it didn't seem to me like any normal service, right? They didn't just show up on Sunday morning and, and sit in their pew and listen to the preacher. You're and, saying normal service like today, right, we yes. kind of know as a normal service. Right, yes. Uh-huh. And they didn't like, there weren't like worship songs at first and then this message. And then, you know, they, they bowed their heads and said, the, say the Lord's prayer and then sent these people off, you know, they were intentional when you're fasting, it's it's a very intentional act. Like mm. you have to, 
think about what you're doing or in this case, not doing, right? Mm -hmm. But in order so that you can be closer to God, in order that you can hear more from God or deepen your relationship with God. And that's, that's what prayer is. And so the fact that they were at the beginning doing this, that they, they were seeking a relationship with God. And then they heard this word from God set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. And then they continued prayer, praying and fasting. And it wasn't just like, okay, this is what God says. This is how we feel. Let's send them off. And I was like, let's be sure yeah. that this is what God wants. Let's be sure that these are the right people and that these guys are ready for this service. I mean, that just really captures my attention. And like, what if the church today hmm. were more like that? We spent our worship services really being intentional about seeking a relationship with God and, wow. and hearing what he has for us. And then in our sending out of missionaries or sending out of ministers, if we were more intentional about seeking the will for them as a collective church, not just if I were to say, oh, Scott, I feel like God is calling me to, to Papua New Guinea. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. If that's what God is saying to you, then then go ahead and go. Who but, am I? To- right, exactly. <laughs> but intentionally, like, if this way you feel, let's let's pray and fast together. I'll let's, join with you. Exactly. Let's be the church together and seek out the will of God. And if this is it, then we will send you with those blessings. I think that's just, again, that word intentionality comes to mind. Like, let's just, let's be intentional, be present and seek the will of God in this situation. Bouncing off of that, it a commentary that I was reading talked about like the way the verbiage is in the scripture, they were already fasting and they were already praying for something. Mm-hmm. And the answer was these men being sent. And so the commentary says we can presume that the church of Antioch was already praying for the burden of reaching the of the wow. world with mm-hmm. the message mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if like to compound that, like if our churches were intentionally praying, Lord, we want to spread your your message of freedom and and hope. And it said often in the church, we, we have this like, I'll have the burden, you go do the work. Mm. But that's not what happened here. God called people from their, like they were praying and that God answered them in that moment, like, and said, send these people. It wasn't that, that Antioch was off the hook. They they didn't just pray. They actually were asked to do something about it. Well, and, and, and give up like two of their best. Right. right. Like yeah. what happens when you're seeking the Lord? Lord, may your will be done. And then you're like, no, but don't do it but that not, way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't take Paul. I mean, I'm sure Paul was the best preacher. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> it seems like he did a good job, you know. Right. Um, Barnabas maybe I always think was maybe the small group leader because he was the encourager, right? He's the constant discipleship person. He was the original one that helped, you know, introduce Paul, Saul to all the disciples when they said, no, we're not going to touch that guy. You right. know? Yeah. And then it's like, they're going to go. So the answer to your prayer is you're going to lose two of your own. Right. Yeah. Are we still willing yeah. to say, yes, Lord, that's your heart. That's our heart too. Like, it's interesting that nobody says, oh, is the two of them? No, I want to go instead of them, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, none of them, like, none of those two, like, Barnabas or Saul, they, they didn't say, no, I don't want to go. Me, I, I feel like I lose you, it's better than me, or, you know? Yeah, okay. they, they were convicted that they had to be them, 
you know, like as as the church, as like as this group of men that were like really praying and fasting and worshiping God and serving, like they knew and they were convicted. These are the two persons that need to go, and it's not us; it's them. And so we're gonna do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and there was no coincidence, like you said, AJ. It was no coincidence that out of seeking God's face in his heart, that his answer would be, and you touched on this, Chelsea, as well, mm-hmm. that they would go to the world. His heart is that all people would know him. Mm-hmm. And so when we seek his face, a natural progression is then to go or to send or mm-hmm. both, really. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty important. That's pretty powerful. How do we apply this? Have you guys felt that your calling, that your sending was at all similar? I mean, of course it was a different context and a different place, but have you felt some of this as well? I think one thing I would like to say, yes, like I would like to say, this is exactly (laughs) how it works. But um, when I read this passage, something that always really gets my attention is the church is the one that is responsive to the call to set apart these people to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the church nowadays waits for somebody to say, hey, I feel like God's talked to Mm -hmm. me and has called me to be a missionary. And then they have to almost like justify it and defend it to the pastor or a district superintendent or whatever. And then it's like, well, let's do these things. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to start opening the doors. So I feel like sometimes it's maybe backwards. I feel like we have a lot of people that have to feel that call personally and then testify to it before the church recognizes it. And one thing I've always appreciated about this is the church recognizes it in the people and then they send them. And um, I just, you, you know, you started your question with, is this something we can identify with? I would say no in the way of I had to testify to a call. Mm-hmm. There wasn't somebody that said, you know what? I really feel like God has given you gifting to be a missionary or even a pastor or something like that. Um, I don't feel like those conversations are had Mm. super frequently. Maybe they are more now, but when I was growing up and trying to figure out what God wanted to do in my life, I felt like I kind of had to do it on my own. And then the church affirmed it after I testified to it. Does that make sense? I don't know if any of you kind of feel the same way. What's interesting with that, I was just thinking about my earlier comment about the fact that the church would have been praying specifically for sending out someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think about my journey and I, I had a very like definite call to service. I didn't necessarily know that was missions, but, um, but like black and white call. And people in my life affirmed it, but never, uh, never is a really definite word, (laughs) but like, not that I can remember, have I been in a service where I heard lay people praying that a missionary would come from our congregation, even, even in a very missional congregation. Mm. Um, I think about our church family in Florida, it was very missional minded incredible in my president uh, missions president and but but they would pray for missionaries but never that missionaries would come from our own people mm-hmm. and so i think that plays with what you were saying emily mm-hmm. like how can we identify it if we're not praying for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't have the authority to say that to speak yeah. that into someone's lives if we're not seeking the will of god on that topic yeah mm-hmm. It's a good point. It is true that here it doesn't say 
and the Holy Spirit spoke to Barnabas and Saul. And then everybody else said, really? Interesting. It says, yeah. as they were, all, I almost imagine everyone is seeking the Lord. Pray. It says worshiping. Maybe that could include singing. And I mean, we, we're not sure exactly what was going on. But it appears like maybe one person is like, let's say I'm just sensing this. The Lord's will is to send Barnabas and Saul. Oh, I'm not going to tell anyone because, I mean, they're going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) But then Frey is also seeking the Lord's will. She's like, I just feel like Barnabas and Saul need to go to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe she says, well, I'm not sure if I should tell everyone that. And then somebody actually says it. And other people say, I was thinking the same thing. We saw gifts and graces in that person. Like, it's even giving me chills Mm -hmm. right now (laughs) thinking about that. And just, Lord. Could we be a blessing to the nations? Raise up from us people. And then when he does, it's like, well, okay, let's move forward in this. This this really flies in the face of kind of an individualistic culture, right? You know, like I have my call and mm-hmm. will you affirm that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right. like, no, we're all called in this and out of the community, two of our best are being sent. Right. Yeah. I think it's funny, the commentary I was reading from on this whole thing, it talks about like the, the immediateness of the sending from the, from the Antioch church that it need, like in some versions, it says now, like send them now. Hmm. And, um, it said they, and so they sent them without any um, like mapping of the culture, without any understanding of where they were going, without any language training. No medical any, insurance. Right, <laughs> no evaluation even if they were good missionaries or if they were, yeah. you know, mediocre. They only had their experience of them leading that local church. And so like how often do we in our systems say like, oh, you have a call to be a missionary? Well, let's put you in evaluation. Let's put you in the system instead of like coming alongside of you. Like you said earlier, fasting alongside of them and seeking if this is God's will or not. Yeah. The systems are are good. Right. But sometimes it is weird that it's like you have a call. Okay. In 12 years, you'll be able to go. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I know I'm exaggerating a little, <laughs> but, but uh, it's not far off sometimes yeah. because you have to prove yourself in all these things. And before you know it, right. well, it's eight years later or it's many, many, you know, months and years later. Well, and I think the church in Antioch knew them to be those men. Like right. I was just looking before, you know, Chelsea, mm-hmm. with what you were saying of why were they in a position of praying, right? And so if it's how do we fulfill this great commission, if that's truly what they're praying, show us God. Jesus left the earth and he's told us that we need to go to the ends of the earth. And and what do we do? How do we do that? Like even thinking about praying to the ends of the earth, you know, that's just crazy. So I was just looking back in uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12, and it just talks about how Paul and Barnabas were already engaged in those mm-hmm. things right. and that Barnabas sought out Paul and they had spent time in Jerusalem. And, and it even, you know, at the end of chapter uh, 11 and 30, it says they did this sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul, like they had already earned, they were carrying money, you know, like they were known as men that had good character and strong character and were going to be able to do it. And then in the end of 12, again, it says Barnabas and Paul finished their mission right before this in 13, you know, so like they were already engaged in mission activity. And so I think when the Holy Spirit says, set them apart for me to do this, I think it was more of a, like, not a, like, 
Barnabas and Paul? Like, oh, I've never really thought no, of that. Surprised I think about it was it. more of the church being mm-hmm. like, well, obviously oh, Barnabas and Paul. Like, this is totally what they're created for. And thank you, God, for giving us your blessing. Yes. You know, like, thank mm-hmm. you that we know this is what they're supposed to be doing. What do we make of that first verse? The first verse is just a list of names. I love this. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a woman involved. I have oh, to say yeah. that. That would that would be <laughs> yeah. the one thing that if I could add it. But at least the the five names mentioned are all from different cultures, mm-hmm. all from different backgrounds. I mean, there's Barnabas, we know from earlier in Acts, he's from Cyprus. Some people think that Simeon called Niger is called that. I mean, we still have a... Uh, a country nowadays called Niger in Africa, but they think that he's he was from North Africa. Cyrene is a different place in the Middle East. Of course, we know Saul is the Jew of Jews. You know, he he was zealous and and just brought up, but also had uh, training in in Greek philosophy and all of that. And then there's this one that we don't know anything about, but I love it, <laughs> Manaen. Or if that's how you say it, who had been brought up with Herod? Wait, wait, wait! Herod the Tetrarch. <laughs> I, I wonder how this guy became a leader. Like, yeah. I wish, I wish I had the backstory on this guy. He googled local services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my commentary says one killed John the Baptist and presides over the trials before Jesus was crucified, the other became a Christian and a leader of a dynamic congregation. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's right. But like, I wonder if when he was starting to, you know, really ask questions and maybe come to know the Lord, if there were plenty of people around that were like, him? Mm -hmm. No. And then maybe after that step, Mm -hmm. if they were like, Okay, well, yeah, praise the Lord. God can change anybody. But part of our leadership team? (laughs) Come on now. I mean, he's he's probably a spy. He's probably a plant, you know. But there's a lot that you can learn even – I mean, there's bad stuff. But there's a lot that he probably did learn when he was growing up with Herod. How how to speak in front of people, how to administrate a kingdom or or great numbers of people. There's probably a lot – that the Antioch church was able to benefit from. I love that it's they're not taking the easy way out. And the first place that we were known or recognized as Christians, little Christs, was just really multicultural, different personalities and different backgrounds. I love that. Mm-hmm. That speaks to me today, too. Let's not go the easy way out. Yeah. You know, let's it take it does take more time to translate, literally to translate to another language. It does take more time when, wait, from a different culture, you see things very differently from me, hmm. but it's worth it. My goodness. We, we, we become a local church with a global impact hmm. when we're able to reflect that on our own stage, in our own community. Yeah, that's big. Well, it's a good example of a couple episodes ago when we were talking about contextualization of the gospel speaks to everything. And this shows us that all of these people from multiple walks of Mm -hmm. life and countries and cultures and dynamics all found their unity around the cross of Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that's what brought them together. And that's the only thing that truly can get you through the hard nature of multicultural church or whatever. But I've always really appreciated that the first church where we see truly what church can and should be is a small microcosm of what we see in Revelation of the every tribe and every culture and every language worshiping God together. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what this is saying is it's, you know, they're showing us through five or six people 
as the leadership of this church. Um, but it is around the unity of the message, the unity of the gospel. The gospel is what will bring us together, nothing else, not because of the way that we eat or we dress or whatever, whatever, whatever. It's because the gospel brings us together. And I think that's really cool. I've always appreciated that about Acts 13. I really like the last part when it says they laid hands on them, mm. because for me, this means like approval and mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think, or I imagine that maybe Barnabas and Saul see this as like, they're supporting us and they are like sending us, but it's not like they're sending us and they are going, we're going to forget. Like they will, oh, okay, goodbye. Right. You know, uh, no, they will continue praying. Mm-hmm. They will continue supporting us even in the distance or, you know, and, but the, the fact that they laid hands on them to me when, uh, when I'm on a uh, home assignment or when I'm in my local church, when people come and, put their hands in me that means like approval and support mm-hmm. and yeah. that that it's a like it's a blessing for you mm-hmm. as a missionary to feel like there's there there are people that's praying for you not only like in that time or that that mm-hmm. moment but like constantly praying mm-hmm. for you when I, I think we've all had those moments as missionaries where people have sent us out and laid hands on us mm-hmm. and there's been i don't want an out of body experience but i'd like a picture to remind me Because Mm -hmm. we're in the moment and we feel a few hands, right? Right. But if you were to see, I mean, I think of the phrase, the great cloud of witnesses, and I know that's used Mm -hmm. in a different context, uh, you know, in Hebrews 12. But I would say this is amazing just in those moments to feel the sending of the church. I need to remember that, you know, and I'm sure that Paul and Barnabas needed when, (laughs) when they're in jail. Or, they didn't have pictures back then. And they didn't have pictures. <laughs> but they had to remember yes. that moment. And there's something corporal. There's something <laughs> bodily about, I mean, it's obvious, but about placing your hand on another. I think of you guys a couple months ago being ordained. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of those pictures. There were That's one of the biggest districts in all of the Church of the Nazarene around the world. Yeah. And there were over 100 mm. Elders, uh-huh. you know, probably 150 different people that were placing their hands on both of you, right. you know, and sending you out. And man, and we got a, a chance to pray for them. But that's powerful. I mean, yeah. this is important stuff. Yeah. And may, I want any local church that I'm ever a part of, leading or, or, or involved with, to be that kind of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sending out in literally putting their bodies on the line, mm-hmm. you know, saying, no, this isn't just, I'll pray for you. And then like, yeah. you know, oh shoot, I forgot. I got, this and is like, if, if they come to the front, like they would be like making a commitment, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm not going to forget about him mm-hmm. or about her. Yes. I'm just going to continue to pray for them. And yes. I, I, I feel like this is really like meaningful and impactful for a missionary. Yeah. And this, I mean, we have the culture now of laying hands on people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was very common back then. I mean, I think it was something very natural for them just to say, let's support our our brothers. Let's support mm-hmm. these new missionaries. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Well, man, I wish we could talk all, all day about this. Um, I, I want to know what our listeners think. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just issue a challenge. 
Put something in, on Facebook. Put something Please? in our Twitter. On do we, we have Instagram, right? No, no, we don't. We don't have Instagram. <laughs> no, no. Shoot. Well, scratch but follow that. Message Genesis. <laughs> follow Message Genesis. To yeah, know me- more about Message Genesis. Yeah. yeah, and send us a message. What do you see in this passage, or what have you sensed from your local church? Hopefully, positive stories. Right. Let's let's share just some of those moments where we've where we've at least caught a glimpse of what we see in Antioch. Emily, any other place that they can follow us that I forgot? Uh, you can always find us on the website, mesoamericagenesis.org, under the podcast tab. And we've got, I don't know, AJ, what episode number is this? This is 58. We're up to 58. Oh, so if you need to wow. hear 57 more, you can find them all on the website. <laughs> you don't even have to be a premium subscriber. You can get them all for free. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Freya Galindo. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. And I'm Chelsea Fry. We'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.